Thought Bubble Audio. Welcome, friends, lovers, more and less, and everything in between. Hi, this is the Loud Women Podcast. I am your, um, what's the opposite of esteemed co-host, Tookie Kavanaugh, here with my dear friend, Marissa Emanuel. And we have a special guest in the building. Oh, comedian extraordinaire, head aligner. We were going to do the Boston Calling Festival last year uh, in 2020, but, you know, reasons. Uh, but <laughs> she's great. She's um, also a social worker. Don't feck with her. Uh, and, and she's just hilarious and also a fan of the show Shrill. So everyone, please w- op- w- let your ears graciously welcome the great Emily Raskowski. Hi. Hey, hi, ladies. Hey, hi. thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Thrilled for Shrill. Oh my! That was a real dumb start. I regret it immediately, but I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, this is our first post series, rather finale episode, uh, and so we're just gonna dish. We got a yes. lot of questions I, and I a feel lot like of things. We needed to take a beat after wrapping that up because it was like highly <sighs> emotional. I, yes. I I needed to process it. Like and now okay, we've watched the full series. We're like a couple of weeks out from it. Emily, did you binge it all in one sitting? Like what was your what was your experience? Did you catch up on all the seasons recently? Like tell us about tell us about your shrill journey. No, so I watched them each season the day they came out. I binged each season and like sat biting my nails waiting for the next season to come out and then when they announced season three was the last i was straight up devastated and i had that like i s- didn't want to finish watching it because i was so sad that it was going to be over and then i rewatched some of the episodes before the final episode because i was like i just need to live in this world a little bit longer before I have to dip out of it forever. So I was just, I wanted so much more. I loved every, and I guess that's good, right? That's a good place for a series to end, leave them wanting more instead of being like, oh, that last season sucked. It was just, I loved it. I thought they, oh, I loved it. Did you love it? What do you think? So I didn't, it's a weird comparison because I never watched that particular series, but I'm glad they didn't Game Game of Thrones us with the, yeah. the series finale yeah it's it was a it was a like a happy it, it was a sad happy ending like it felt appropriate in a lot of ways um but it, it's one of those shows that i was kind of surprised it lasted as long as it did like this whole time we started this podcast we were like this show i can't even believe they made this show like i, yeah. I don't know how this made it onto the air and i'm yep. so glad it did so i'm glad we got se- three seasons of it but I felt like there was runway for so much more. Oh, God, yeah. So we one yeah. of the topics we talk about a lot is um, dream spinoffs. So I'm team, Ooh, I mean, um, I'm, I'm real, I was really team like Fran and M spinoff. I, do you, if, if you had to do any spinoffs, or if you could see some spinoffs of this show, who would you want to see? I mean, with? I have thoughts about the finale and I have thoughts about M and how that kind of ended and how... So I have thoughts about how that ended, but I, I want, I mean, more Fran in my life kind of forever. I would watch Fran. I also, I mean, not even just, 
I would I would just want I'm trying to think of like a spin-off like who I would cut out and it's like but I want to see everybody. I want to see how Amadi and Annie do, you know, in more creative control of, you know, the of the thorn and I want to see how, you know, what happens with Will and I want to see what happens with Em and Fran and I want to see, you know, like I want to see what happens to Fran's bro- hot brother in London and I want to like Yes, we were big big fan fans oh, of yeah. Fran's hot brother. That oh, I yeah. really hoped they were going to pick that thread up at the end by the end of the series. They did not. They I didn't. Was, I, I'm fine. I love Will. Will's good too, but I really could have used a but, little bit more. Oh yeah, Fran's hot more. brother. Chef's kiss. Wait, so oh let's let's start. It seems like you have some some strong opinions about this sort of Fran and M wrap up. How did you I think talk so. to me about how how that how did that leave you? So I. I didn't like sort of the way Annie and Fran were portrayed at the end of it, as if their friendship was holding them back from a real life. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. being in these relationships would make their lives real and adult, and that's the way to move forward. And I thought they were full-fledged adults with full lives, and living together as best friends doesn't make you not a full adult like M was like you guys are just like you are in college but I thought they had grown so much that I thought it really sort of you know belittled them as adults a little bit and I also think M I think Fran is a great foil for Annie because when Annie gets stressed she sort of goes into like a frenzied hyperdrive panic and Fran was much more measured and cerebral and needed to like take space and think about things. And I felt like M didn't give her any space. M was just like, I'm ready to move in. And so now we're moving in and you're along for the ride and didn't acknowledge like your friendship with Annie's important. You guys have lived here together for 10 years. That's a long time. This is a lot to process. M was just kind of like, well, I'm ready to move on and you guys better get on board. And I didn't, I didn't like the way it was portrayed. And, you know, Fran just started, was at this salon and was doing great. And Annie just had this huge career, you know, elevation. And they both were succeeding in many, many ways. And I didn't like that at the end, it it ended on these women being like, well, are you going to be college losers forever? And it's like, but they're not. Like, they're, they're not college losers. And they, like, their friendship was beautiful. And they supported each other. And... I don't know. I didn't like how at the very end it was like, your friendship is toxic and you're teenagers and get over it and be in a serious romantic relationship or else. Does that make sense? It kind of took a turn that I was like, this seems incongruous with everything else this series has shown us. It's so interesting. We had we had a conversation about this a little bit as well, but then you have a little bit of a different bend on it, which I think is really interesting. My my initial reaction was similar to yours too, which is like, oh, I feel like we're kind of knocking down this concept of a deep, long-standing female friendship, and 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 right. saying that that is insufficient compared to a romantic relationship. Um, but I think one of the themes of what what we've talked about a lot is how Annie's character. I think was really flawed in a lot of ways. And there was a deep level of immaturity and she did lack a lot of awareness and like empathy towards other people. Um, And so that's sort of kind of what I felt. I think there, I felt there was a little bit of truthfulness in, in that, but I think Tookie, you said this when we spoke last that, Fran didn't have that same issue, right? Right, like, right. Like maybe um, Fran was sort of a, a crutch for, for Annie, but I don't think, 
like Fran was super problematic in and of herself in any way. So I, I think yeah, I, I Fran didn't eat a crutch, right? Mm. And and I and Fran, it felt like it was M's decision. Like Fran wasn't needed some time and space to think about it, and M was like trains leaving the station, chugga chugga, like yeah. Yeah. And that's not I, Fran's style, and it hadn't been Fran's style for anything of, like, make a decision in this moment. Like, she liked to process things. That is... Oh, well, you know what? At a at a show, at a place in Boston where people laugh, hint, uh, <laughs> we had briefly had a conversation about the show. Yes. Um, and I brought up to you that there's this critique online that Fran is just another sassy black friend trope. And yet you made that same face. Yeah. (laughs) And for me, it's kind of like, well, as, as, as like the certified black uh, that I am, (laughs) I didn't read it as such. I, and I'm like, did the people who have this critique, this criticism watch the show? So I don't know. That's That's how I feel when I, when I see, you know, male men, or male comics saying like, oh, she's another stereotypical woman comic. And it's like, you only see women as one dimensional people. I think the people who write that critique, like you're just seeing her as the black friend. This is an incredibly dynamic, nuanced, interesting character who again, would very easily carry a spinoff on her own. Fran's interestingly enough that if it was the Fran show, I'd watch it for four or five more seasons. Like I think, yeah, reducing her to that, like, she is Annie's best friend who is also black and the racial dynamics play into their relationship, but she's not just the black friend. And I think, like you said, reducing her to that really like you have to like be willfully ignorant of, of the character and, and intentionally not see her as a dynamic individual to us to say that about her. I think. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting. It's like, Fran's character, I don't view as in service no. to Annie in any kind of way. Like and other- she made, make that very clear in the episode yeah. where Annie like really messes up with that disastrous article, that that was an opportunity. If Fran was the token black friend, that was an opportunity for her to slip right into that role, and she deliberately didn't. Mm-hmm. That was definitely a choice, I think, that they made to to have her sort of stand firm in that. And um... and I think it made sense with her character. Mm-hmm. She was not someone people walked over. She was not someone who was meek and, and you know, was a rug for anybody. That's why, like you said, yeah, Tookie, she's... I don't think Fran's in service of anybody. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the great things about Fran's character is she's one of the stronger, more grounded, knows who she is people on the show but also not the strong black woman trope which is another you know that's a that's a whole harmful trope in a conversation we could have for hours on another podcast but just because she's a strong person and annie's friend doesn't mean she's all of these tropes right yeah i think she's when i say i think strong like she had a strong grounding in her character like it was very clear who fran was fran knew who she was Fran was consistent across the board. You got a deep sense of who she was, where Annie would make erratic, wacky decisions all the time. Fran never did. Fran was, there was something about Fran that was, I keep saying grounded. Like, I feel like Fran is a very grounded character. 
I think that's interesting and in, in sort of bringing it back to, to your earlier point about the relationship and moving in. I think that also sort of feeds into why that felt so rushed and a little bit yeah. out of character is, you know, based on the Fran that was very consistent that we've seen for three seasons, the idea that she would agree to move in with somebody before she was ready or sort of not be authentic in that conversation, that, right. that felt a little bit like jarring. And I think as, you know, a character that we know so well, or we feel like we know so well, it's sort of like, oh, that feels a little bit out of out of character. It felt a little bit, it felt, you know, that last episode definitely felt like they were trying to pack a lot in quickly. And I think that yeah. was a little bit of a disservice. Okay, but in Fran's defense of a bad decision in the moment, <laughs> when you and your lover who's been putting it down and got it on tape, we'll talk about the tape later. <laughs> you know, when, when your love, your lover, your partner, your your person uh you know catches you mid sunset with a yeah you know, a proposal adjacent kind of proposal what are you going to do in the moment <laughs> yeah that's a fair point you it's easy i think to get swept up in that and her love her connection with m was very deep and they'd been together for a long time at that point that makes sense I theorize. Listen, I'm always anything in defense of Fran. I'm always like, yes, Fran's the best. Anything anyone ever says about Fran, agree on all the positives for <laughs> Fran. Agree. I'm also I'm very pro Fran, very pro M as well. And so that's also why I think that last episode felt a little bit weird because you know I didn't read it that way, but you know how you position that of, of M being a little bit a little bit stubborn about that and not really reading Fran's reaction. I think that's, that's true. And And a um, little judgmental. Yeah. And I I think that if this, if we had one more episode, my theory is that they would have ended, they, they end up back together in my, they do. Yeah. Um, And I wonder if M would have said, I, if that conversation had been more fleshed out, if the conversation wouldn't have been, you guys are kids. If it would have been, are you going to spend your life helping Annie along or do you want to live for you? Like, again, do you want to be here picking up Annie's messes all the time and being Annie's emotional support? Or do you want to move forward in this life with me together? I think we, I think we did see not to, not to shit on Fran. Cause I will, I would never, but I think we did see a couple of hints of this earlier in this season where, she had a bit of a reaction to sort of the level of intimacy that she was having with M uh, specifically with the, when, when the FaceTime with her mom came into play and yes. uh, there was a little bit, we did see hints of this relationship is starting to freak Fran out a little bit because it's that thing of when, you know, this might be my person and it freaks you out a little bit. Mm, but I yeah. do think that the two of them could have gotten over that easily because we did see so much like health between the two of them throughout, especially this yeah. season. Yeah, it's, you know, M isn't a toxic partner, but I think they just got, I don't know, like really swept up in their love for Fran. I think M also comes from a, from tremendous privilege. Uh Uh-huh. Right. And as much as she, as much as they, sorry, as much as they, um, like shirked it and were like, this is not my life anymore. I... Um, I think I've been messing up M's pronouns the whole conversation we've had. So apologies for that. I'm correcting myself now. Um, but I think so M um, like she was like, I'm not living this life of privilege anymore. And this is the new me. But I think you can't, you, you can't just take your privilege off like a coat. 
Because I think M is very used to like, I want a thing. It's very accessible to me. Mm. I'm going to take that now as a person who grows up with immense wealth. Things are just, oh, I want a nicer house. I just have the money available to get a really nice place in this really expensive city like nothing. And, you know, she doesn't understand the attachment Fran has to the house she's lived in for 10 years, to the best friend she's lived with since college. Like, for M, it just was emotionally easier, and she was just like, this is the thing we're doing now. Which, there's something to be said for a partner who is decisive and very passionate about you and wants to be with you and is not afraid to make a commitment. So, like, shout out to M for that. Mm-hmm. For, like, being a very committed, loyal, loving partner. I think the privilege is a good point, too. I think that they thought, oh, we, they thought that was in my past, and, and now I'm a new person. And it's not right. that simple. You still mm-hmm. are carrying that to a certain degree. And now I'm thinking, you know, I don't think we ever had any insight to if, if, um, M had a job. I think we saw M on the couch smoking weed a lot, which is like the, she, they're living the Dead dream. giveaway. Um, but we saw M in very nice clothes and very like, they're living a different, a different kind of lifestyle. So, you know, it's interesting. I I'm definitely a big fan of that relationship. Um, but I think there's, there are some sort of big things there that will, would need to be worked through in the longer term in terms of those lifestyle dynamics and, um, and just like the communication. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, that, that, that note about M's privilege, I think you, you hit on something. Because uh, you, you, you can't have a whole horse for a son. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, think, and think, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not privileged. A <laughs> horse for a son. That's the quote of the day. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm wildly problematic on this podcast. I love it. No, that was chef's kiss perfect. Mwah. Love it. So, you know, we ended the season, we ended the show with these two breakups of, you know, we recapped the the second to last episode. And at the end, I was like, yeah, what do we think that last episode is going to look like? I think all the couples are going to stay together. We're just going to see like how things end. Oh, they tricked you. They got me. They lulled me into a false sense of security. And, um, and my failings got hurt. So, um, how did, how this Will and Annie breakup? was mortifying it was horrible i hated it Uh, it was just she's an idiot what were that's my opinion how did you feel about the the wrap-up of those two so i do think m and um i think m and and fran are going to find their way back together because again i think fran is not a doormat and fran's going to be able to say i need time i need space you can't not everything can be on your timeline my timeline matters too I think Fran is very, very capable of having those conversations in a calm, clear way that, that, you know, like Annie is very well, fuck you then and freaks out. And Fran does not. Fran is, I think Mm. a much better communicator than Annie. Mm. Um, and I think a more productive and healthy communicator. Um, and so I do think, and I think M is as well. And so I think they, like you said, have a better way of an easier path back together. I like Will an awful lot and think he's been more patient than Annie deserves. Mm -hmm. I think he's a really nice guy and I like him a lot. And I really liked the episode where they got together with that conversation between her and Amadi. Um, Just as a, as a fat woman who's been fat my whole life, I really identify like, 
the feelings, the fears, the everything, that conversation with Amadi, I was like, oh, a fat woman wrote this. Mm. And I think a lot of it was based on Lindy West's memoirs. And I felt like the writer's room, there was a lot of experiences throughout the show that I was like, a fat woman wrote this scene. You know, the stuff with Nick, the stuff with, there was a lot of stuff that I was like, a fat woman wrote this because you only know how this feels and how it plays out when you've been through something like this. So when she walked in and saw Will and was like, oh my God, it's because we're two fats. And Amadi was like, I just think you're great. And I, Amadi, who's also been a way wonderful friend and yeah. much nicer to Annie than she, I feel like I'm so down on Annie. I love Annie, but I feel like her friends are like more stable, more adult than her. We're and I think that is We've got an Annie and Amadi question for you. That's a doozy later. Oh, perfect. So. I can't wait. But I think Will, I think Will's a genuinely nice guy. And I think Annie in the, in their short time together has put him through probably too much for that relationship to survive. Mm. I think Annie's not in a healthy enough place to, you know, Annie's really, this is, the problem with the protagonist, right? It's the Carrie Bradshaw thing. The protagonist is always inherently self-absorbed because the show's about them. So, you know, where we talk about everyone shits on Carrie Bradshaw and there's a lot to shit on there too, but like, of course she's the most selfish of all the women, the whole world. They, this world they live in literally revolves around her. So your main protagonist is always going to be the most selfish character, I think. And I think Annie very much embodies that. And I love so much about Annie, but I do think she pushed it too far with Will. And I think Will is going to be like, I don't know if this is redeemable. We've been together such a short time and this is what she's already like. This is her best behavior stage. This is her trying to make a good impression stage. I don't know if I want to stick around for when she gets comfortable. Mm. Ooh, Emily. Yes. Um, Will's ex-wife or soon to be. Ex-wife. Yes. What was Melissa? Is it Melissa? Michaela. Michaela. But it's spelled very funky. It's spelled like it a, is. It's spelled like a Michaela would spell a Michaela, and not like how parents would spell a Michaela. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so what I had noted in our previous episode is that she, the way she looks, is not what I expected her to look like she because will is like a you know he's if a cloud was a person you know he's yes he's 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 soft he's gentle and i i say this in like the best ways and like you know he's the antithesis of toxic man masculinity kind of mm-hmm. like he he's he's he feel his character feels like he is the embodiment of a warm a soft place to land a warm place yes. to come home to right yeah and so I had expected that his partner in marriage for that time that they were married would maybe have a similar vibe. And Michaela doesn't, she did when, when they, when the camera, you know, panned in on her, I was like, I did not expect her to look like this in that, you know, she, she is, he is the milk. She is the Oreo. You know what I mean? Like she seems more, I mean, tough harder. Than- I mean, for, for a woman who sells cupcakes for a living. Yeah. <laughs> How do you sell baked goods and you're tough? Like the whole British baking show is about soggy bottoms. This woman is a tough crust. I, okay. And it's no disrespect, but you know, so what did you think of her? I liked the casting of Michaela mm-hmm. because I thought it would have been easy to have uh, a sweet roly poly fat woman at the bakery. 
I think it would, that would have been an easy choice, right? Like, of course, Will only dates fat women. So I like when they say, like, there's this, there's this sort of societal idea that, like, a man, and I've internalized this too, men either date fat women or they don't. Hmm. And there's no, like, men can appreciate a spectrum of women. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a cutoff of, like, if you date fat women, then you only date fat women. And if you date skinny women and your ex is skinny, then you would never look at a fat woman because you've been with a skinny woman before. So I kind of liked that Will isn't that they didn't make him like that quintessential, that pejorative term they use all the time, chubby chaser. They didn't, which even a fat guy is called that. Like, Oh, you're a weirdo for liking big women, you big man. Like, but there's like, there's this weird idea that like men should like a certain type of woman. And I kind of like that. Will doesn't that will, we also don't, Will and Michaela were together since high school. Yeah. And you don't know, you know, I think we, when we think of dynamics in high school too, like maybe Will was the big teddy bear in band and she was the very intense flute player and he was nice Flout. to her. Yeah, flautist. There we go. Sorry, Lizzo taught me that. Why don't I know that it's flautist? Apologies to Lizzo and everyone else who's a flute, Flout. flute player. Flout. A flautist. And apologize to the flautists. In the room. Hey, the, the brass and woodwinds don't fuck around. I was in high school orchestra. Don't talk to those people. Um, and, okay, I'm in the string section. So. You're so a little elite. I kind of like that Will's women are different. Yeah, you know, I, it wasn't even like a weight thing that I was analyzing. But she was in, a from. severe person. Just, yeah, just like tough energy. Just tough yeah. personality. I didn't, I didn't think that he'd go for an energy so opposite of his own. A lot of men do that. I, I know a lot of people who like one partner has a very intense personality mm. and one is, is more easygoing and gentle. Mm. Okay. You know, I liked what you were saying, Emily, about um, the protagonist and sort of how that person is always sort of a little bit more inherently selfish. We've talked about that yeah. a lot with Annie and how she, it's almost like the Lena Dunham and girls dynamic. Oh, too. Like there was, there was a couple of moments where it was teetering on that. Um, I think they- I'm sorry. I, I have very visceral reactions to racist bags of milk. So. Did you hear me? I did. I went. Ugh. <laughs> get me. We'll get no judgment for that here. Yeah, Lena Dunham inspires a reaction in people sometimes. We got She's a little a lot. close. We got a. Little, I feel like we had yeah. some moments with Annie where we got a little close, and the woman could not. That this Annie could not apologize. Like Annie mm. was incapable of apologizing, and that's why I tend to agree with you. That I don't think her and Will were going to make it through this because she did not have the emotional maturity ever to give like a real thoughtful apology. It was always centering right. herself. Even well, when- in that moment, she's like, well, what's the problem here? Are we, you want me to leave real? She didn't say like, oh my God, you're right. I didn't think of you. I panicked and I'm so sorry. And I, I didn't think of how this would impact you. She was just like, what are we really fighting about this right now? And it's like, yeah, this was a big thing. This was a huge invasion of his privacy. You you were super selfish and did a thing that would really impact him really negatively, and you didn't care, and you don't care when he brings it up to you. I couldn't okay. believe... Oh, sorry, oh. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. All I was going to say is watching that scene, I was aghast when I realized yes. when she walked into the apartment and she had not given him a heads up that that happened. I was like, what? how the how the fuck did you think that was going to go? Like, what What did you expect was going to happen there? Anyway, Tookie. She was only thinking about herself, yeah. Uh, but I, to either of you, and, and Emily, of course, I, I'm very curious as to what you do. Would you do what Annie did and visit your current partner's ex's 
or just, you know, just check up on who the ex is. Because for me, not only is that like a weird boundary to cross, but if you do it, play it cool. I would do play it, but I'd it be cool. much cooler about it. Like, yeah. I, I, or I would, I would have a plan. Like, she had no plan. She fully, no like, she fully, I would have been like, oh, oh my gosh. I, you know who I am? That's, oh my God. I had no idea. Emily, would right. you be a creep or would you respect boundaries? So I would have plausible deniability because people would be like, yeah, Emily drove to a bakery 45 minutes away for a cronut. Yeah. Yeah, Emily did that. Like, I would be like, oh, that happened to be Michaela's bakery. I was on my weekly Saturday bakery tour of places 45 to 65 minutes away from my house. Like, I would have, I'd be like, yes, I went to a new bakery. I always do that. And people would be like, okay. But I don't, I don't, I think digging into someone's past is not great that way. Like, I'm going to go sneak. And what my, my thought is what's the end game, right? Like, why do you need to see the ex? And I think part of it too is like, as a fat woman, you want to know, am I, am I being fetishized by this guy? Cause that's the thing. That's fair. That's the thing of like, is this guy just a creepy going to wear me as a skin suit guy? Or like, am I like, but I don't, I never think there's a good thing that's going to come out of that, like sneaking around to see someone's ex. And I feel like it's a curiosity kills the cat kind of thing. Like what is, what is, like you said, what, what's the end game? What's the good that's going to come out of doing that. There's no, if you have insecurities in your relationship and you have to like go around your partner sneakily to satisfy that, that burning question in you, then that's something you really have to work on in a healthier way. Hmm. That's so wise. That's the social and workers true. talking. I know. Thank I'm you. like, damn, you really got your shit together. I, <laughs> but I mean, true. the comic is the comics going to the bakery, but the social worker is saying you shouldn't go to the bakery. No, it's so healthy. Uh, she shouldn't have. And at least, at she, least, like, come on. Have she was not bit. cool at all. Yeah. No because I think she got in there and was like, what's my, when you have a bad plan like that, and the moment comes for you to do your Ocean's Eleven plan, and you're like, oh, this was a terrible plan, you panic. So, of yeah. course, she panics because the plan was always bad. And clearly, Michaela had looked her up, too. Ooh. Which is, because that's how she knew who she was. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't think Annie gave enough information for her to be like, that's definitely Will. Like, why would your brain jump right there besides, like, this is just a weird woman at a bakery? I've worked retail. I've worked weird people come in all the time acting like loons. I would have thought she was uh, trying to do a robbery or something, and she bailed last minute and freaked out and gave me a fake name and ran away. I would only think... I would only think that's my ex's new girlfriend if I'd seen a picture of her on Facebook mm. and was like, oh, that's her. And which is how I think that I think Michaela did it in the sneaky, smooth way of like, I just have to see. Keep it on social which, media. Just stalk their social media. On, yeah. yeah. I think that's how Michaela knew that it was that it was Annie. Mm. Or she heard Will had told her this is this person's name. But she said, "Oh, they hadn't spoken, yeah." So she'd been Facebook stalking Will too. Uh, he must have had a picture of himself and Annie, oof. or something. I don't think she would have guessed it without any sort of background that she, if she'd not done a little sleuthing. Yeah, that's my own fan theory. 
that was a I, I agree I had the same I had the same read I was like I think this was she did but uh, they were married of course she was gonna like I give her I give her a little bit of credit there I get I like, and they hadn't been divorced very they hadn't been divorced very long right and he was dating again I think that's hurtful for people I understand like the relationship's over but I think it it's a deep hurt being like this person has moved on and it's officially over mm-hmm. yeah if it, that was definitely if that was a big crash and burn to kind of end end the series on but i felt like that was much more authentic and real to the characters because while annie has shown some growth we didn't see like this crazy character arc of of we saw some self-love and i think that was where a lot of the growth came from but in yeah. terms of like how she treats other people pretty consistently there was a lot of stumbling there and so that did kind of it felt like a truthful like it didn't feel truthful that she met this man and they had a beautiful relationship and that was it and they were both everything was great like this did feel kind of like a natural ending yeah and i think this is gonna sound and again i say this as i think listeners can't see us i am a fat woman so as I say this, I think if, if I was not a fat woman and I said this is why people would be like, this bitch, who does she like? <laughs> I think as a fat woman, it's easy to feel, I don't know how to say this in a nice way. You feel very persecuted by society all the time. So the idea that you could be the bad guy in a situation is surprising to you. Mm. And I think we saw that in the episode where Annie wrote that article, it was a direct reaction to being pigeonholed as a fat woman. And I'm only allowed to write about fat woman things and people will only ever see me as a fat woman, not a serious journalist. And so she made this, again, impulsive, reactionary, frenzied decision that worked out incredibly poorly, did not think of any of the people of color that that article would harm, including her two best friends... One who tried very hard to warn her not to do it um, and who's always had her back the whole show and given her great advice consistently and been a way better friend than she deserves um, and is a much more stable adult. And I want to see his wife. Why don't we get to see Amadi's wife? We anyway. saw her like once. Yeah, yeah I, I know. Where's Amadi's two. wife? She's, and they, I want to see They her. seem lovely. Yeah, They're he, lovely. But yeah, was- I think it's a fat woman that like, I'm the victim here. Society is cruel to me. I never fit in. You, you sometimes can forget like oh i can also be the shitty person in a situation because there's this feeling of like everyone's going to be mean to me society's mean to me the world is and i don't mean that to say like all fat people see themselves as victims but there's this element of feeling like an other there's an element of feeling like you are shunned by society so the idea that you could be the wronger not the wrongy Mm -hmm. sometimes you forget does that make sense? Totally. And it, it caused her to make these decisions that, like, she like she was shitty to Will. And all she could think of is, I'm so embarrassed that we're a couple of fats in this restaurant. And she couldn't think, that other fat is a person. And I'm being so awful to them. Because she was like, I'm so humiliated right now. I'm not even viewing this person as a person. I am... I can't even acknowledge Will's humanity in this moment because I'm feeling so bad for and about myself right now. And so I think that gets in Annie's way a lot of like, I'm always righteous. I'm fighting against a society that doesn't want me to be happy or be seen as a person. But, and that's where you get the dynamic stuff, right? 
if this was another show where it's just a white male writer's room, Fran would be just a sassy black friend. Annie would be righteous in every... I'm a strong, fat woman fighting a mean, skinny society. But the fact that there's nuance to them, I think, shows the benefit of having diverse writers' rooms where people write themselves. Because you write yourself as a human being and not as an other. Mm-hmm. I think that that resonates a lot um, with, I think, what we've talked about a lot on this show, which is, you know, representation isn't just one type, isn't just having one type of person. It's showing right. that full spectrum of, like, flaws and virtues, right? And so the the fact that we got to see Annie, who wasn't just playing a trope, but had all of these elements of, like, wonderful elements she's like so great in some ways but also really fucks up in other ways and that's authentic and true and like that's actual representation is having having different types of people that aren't playing into these prototypes and this and showing the way the world has treated her has given her this view of herself and she forgets that she can harm other people with her Mm -hmm. actions too and so she repeatedly stumbles on that right that episode was it season one or two where beck bennett was her online troll and she went to his house and confronted him we were all like annie you know like so excited for her like i'm righteous but i like that we sort of got to see her be someone who really fucked up and and couldn't understand and it took a while for her after that article to understand that she'd fucked up because she was like what are you talking about i broke out i covered a serious topic and this was my coming out as i'm not just a fat woman here i am world serious journalist and she couldn't see outside herself and how she felt she was being viewed to look at it from a different lens and be like this is a really harmful thing I'm doing because all she could think was this is me showing the world. I'm a serious journalist and not allowing myself to be pigeonholed as a fat woman. No, I think you're, I I think you're spot on. I think that was an important moment to see and, and to see when she ran to the two black friends who always support her all the time. And they couldn't, they were like, you dug this, you have to figure it out. Like we're not, again, we're not here to save you. And I thought that was a great moment of like making them, but, but black friends absolve me. And they're like, no, no, that's not what this is. That's not what this is going to be. You have to sit in this and you have to figure this out on your own. And I think it was an important moment. And again, we didn't have much time in the series after that to see growth. So I think, like you said, we're sort of in a spiral that sort of began she kind of spiraled with with the Nick thing, with the oh. unsurety around her job, and then that article and the interaction with the doctor. It sort of sent her into this kind of and the thing with Ryan and second half of the season. She sort of went into this kind of not great spiral. So it makes sense that she kind of ended there in that spiral of her personal life, where her work is going well that spiral, like you said, didn't have time to resolve itself. And she was still very much in it when the series ended, I think. Well, now that you've brought up both Nick and Ryan, Marissa, do you want to get into some of the question categories? Yeah, well, we're going to let's, you know, now I think we got into some of the big themes of sort of the end of the end of this. And now we got a couple of we'll we'll, we'll have do a couple of quick hits to wrap to wrap this episode up, I think. So, oh, my God, I've talked so much. I'm so sorry. I've like rambled. No, this is so why much. we had you as a guest on our podcast. Okay. You did exactly <laughs> what you signed up for. We loved it. We've they everyone has heard us talk. A lot. Um, <laughs> all right. So I would like to play a couple of rounds of, um, of Fuck, Mary Kill. 
Um, so, uh, I would like, but we'll keep it to this season because I know sometimes people maybe haven't rewatched season one and two in a while. So we'll keep it, uh, we'll keep it recent. Um, I would like to start, I'm going to pose this to, to both of you. Um, I think the first one I would like to do is, uh, fuck, Mary kill. We've got, uh, Ryan, uh, the, the boy, the longstanding boyfriend. We've got Nate Nate the mustache, uh, or Nick. Nick. Oh, geez. Nick. Jeez. We got Nick the mustache. Mustachioed or we've got, Nick. Or we've got Gabe. Oh! Fuck Mary Kill. And we're not talking about John Cameron Mitchell. We are talking about Gabe. It is an important distinction. I love John Cameron Mitchell. Exactly. That's oh, why I made the distinction. Him. Yes. Who would like to go first? <laughs> Instead of killing someone, can I like throw them on a desert island to think about what they've done? I'll allow it. All right. They'll be rescued, but they have to have like a, you know, Wilson kind of moment Fuck before Mary they're allowed island. to come home. Fuck Mary Island. Okay. Um, I don't want to marry any of them. I think I'm putting. You know, who I'm putting on the island. I'm putting. I'm putting Nick on the island. Oh. You think about what you've done, Nick. Ooh. Because okay. I think Nick's that like come over dread one a. I've been that girl, and it sucks. And it's so shitty to use somebody who, like, you're not attracted to as, like, your emotional girlfriend. And I feel like guys do that a lot of, like, oh, if you were better looking, you'd be my girlfriend, but you're not. So I know you like me, and I'm just going to, like, vampire suck all your emotional energy. So I'm putting Nick on the island. I'm going to fuck Ryan because Annie had that great sex with him before she found out he had a girlfriend. So he's good at something. He's good for something. Um, And... I'm going to marry Gabe because I think he throws great parties and I love a charcuterie board. That would be a fun life. Like aside yeah, from the, I'd like, like to live in that house with those cocktail parties and those interesting guests. Yes. He has like there's rampant fat phobia, but he seems oh, like yeah. he lives a, a fun lifestyle. Tookie? Um, kill Nick, kill Ryan. No, you're <laughs> cheating. You're cheating. I- <laughs> you're cheating. <laughs> I'll allow it. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I think honestly, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna marry. I think I'm gonna marry Nick, guys. Right. I know. I think I'm Marissa. going to have to, and I think I'm gonna fuck Ryan and kill Gabe. Like I I I understand, but I I mean, come on, guys. Gabe Gabe was consistent. His house was beautiful. Worst. That's true, and it's important. I'm marrying the house. Gabe comes with the house. I'm marrying the house. <laughs> okay. See, I would. I would hate fuck Gabe. That's a, that's a, you need to, that's a, you sexuals in the words of our dear friend, Janet, uh, McNamara. Um, <laughs> shout out to of, Janet, the best person. Um, yeah. Like Gabe is a hate fuck. I think. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I can you, see that. you gotta, you know, it's just get that, that, get that like, like two chimps. <laughs> I think this like is chips. the raunchiest thing you've ever said on this podcast, by the way. Probably. I love it. I love it. running joke because she's a Puritan. And I'm like, this is... I know. This is good. I like this. I or love she's. this. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, you know, in the wild, chimps, like, have sex for every interaction. <laughs> so <laughs> I have studied nature. Um, <laughs> so I think this is, like, too... You know what I mean? Like, it's, you, you got to get the aggression out. You got to hate okay. fuck game. Yep. Uh, right. Not yeah. me. Not me. And someone. <laughs> someone. 
Well, hey, fuck it. Not Do you, wait, is this like you, you assign a champion like in Game of Thrones who has yes. to do it for you? Yes. I'm not doing it. <laughs> All right. So, so who are you, who you marry? The mountain. The mountain has to hate fuck Gabe and, on your behalf. Uh, <laughs> kill Ryan, marry Nick, and immediately annul it and take his money. Interesting. Mm, that's right. Nick has money too. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. That was a good choice. It, all different takes. I like it. Okay. Last one, and this is more positive. I amended this slightly since I know that you feel the same way I do. The first one, we've got Fran's hot brother. Uh, we will mm. we'll b- dig back into earlier seasons. I, I changed mm. the rules. We got Fran's hot brother. We got Amadi, and we got Will. Ooh. All men that I have oh, very no! strong. I have very strong feelings for all of them. Um, ma'am, why would you do this? I know this is a really difficult one. I think I'm gonna post this one on our Instagram. We'll see what people have to say about this because I think this. Is- <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Will. Oh, <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to kill him. Uh, just like I didn't. If I didn't kill Nick, I'm certainly not killing Will. I'm going to put Will. Uh, he has to go back to the bakery and have a heart to heart with Michaela, and then they can both move forward together. So that's where I'm sending Will to the bakery. He can bring me a donut and talk to Michaela. That sounds uh, like. That has the same energy as like to the nunnery with you. To the nunnery with <laughs> He's got to he's got to process things more. He's still having a hard time. Uh, I'm gonna fuck Fran's hot brother because I don't want to live in London because it's too rainy there, uh, and I don't want Boston to ruin him. So mm. I'm gonna leave him in London, and he's gonna be my travel fuck. So I I travel when I travel. I you know lay over in Heathrow. A lot of your European trips lay over in Heathrow. Over. Yeah, he's gonna. Hey. A layover with Fran's brother, uh, and so then I'm definitely. You know what? Amadi has been a solid A plus person the whole series. He really has just been great dad, great husband, super great friend, really good at his job. He's a good boss when he gets promoted to boss. I'm I'm Team Amadi big time. So dad, sorry, too. Will. The competition was was too stiff tough one Tookie yeah you know <sighs> yeah where's Fran's brother at <laughs> he's and in London did... they should have brought and him what back that dick do? COVID yeah. ruined everything I know where is he at and what did Dick do so, he's beautiful yeah I I think I'm I, I think it's the same I think I'm I'm on board with you Emily uh you know I I'd stup the brother uh, yeah kill Will. I kill Will and uh <laughs> It, it is what it is at this point. And <laughs> is it because of his teeth? You know, I never. Oh, now that you say that, I never noticed his. <laughs> he's got ooh. these kind of weird, very short front teeth. Like his two, his front teeth are very short. Mm. It's like a little like arch on his teeth. I never noticed that. Oh my god, I'm gonna. You go can't back. unsee it now. It's Fine, like how I, I can't unsee how Tom Cruise's like front tooth is in the middle of his face it, it's, <laughs> once you see it there's a jonas once you too. see it one of the jonases have a, has a middle tooth too yeah and you can't you can't unsee it it's really scary. yeah it's like it's like he he's like an armadillo with a strong jawline it's like i don't <laughs> tom right. cruise is a hot capybara so oh, i'm looking up tom cruise's tooth right now so you're you <laughs> same as me yes i do you're gonna kill will you're not sending him to the bakery no i'm gonna just kill him i think objectively amadi is the best choice for husband but like will's like big time my type so i'm marrying will okay i love love like a 
Mm, I love a teddy bear of a man. Will. Mm-hmm. Will will be my my husband. And yeah, Fran's hot okay. brother. We're, that's Fran's hot brother. Oh, yeah. doesn't even have a name. He is obviously... He's obviously the, the layover in Heathrow. So Wait, I'm, so you have to kill? You can't kill Amadi. You have to pick I'm another sorry. option for him. I, okay, no, no, you have Amadi, to pick so, send him on vacation, something nice. He's too he deserves better than this. You're right. No, Amadi is going to um he's gonna be a, a chaperone uh at a day camp with his children. Oh that's a great perfect. Because okay. he's gonna be miserable, but he's gonna kinda love it because he loves those girls. It's gonna be great. And he likes being in charge of things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. So that was a hard one. I'm sorry, but we'll. He's a good leader. I'm going to throw that one to the IG when I post this too, so you guys will have to sound <laughs> off as well. Um, all right, Tookie, let's uh, wrap it up with a couple more rapid fires on your side. Okay, this is this is a kind of a doozy. See if you can answer it like as succinctly as possible, because it's a doozy. See, like if you could give me one sentence. Okay. Um. How long would Annie last in a critical race theory seminar if she were tasked with examining her behavior towards Amadi? Minutes one through five get super defensive. Minutes six run out of the room crying. Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds about Annie. Yeah, I think they'd have to, like, bring her back in, like, kicking and screaming. I think she really doesn't want to have to deal with that one. That one hurt. She'd go, I'm an ally. No one understands. I wrote that. They, it was Gabe's head. She'd get all upset, and then she'd be like, you know what? I can't, I just can't deal with it. She'd run out crying. Toki brought up a really good point when we talked about this episode originally, which was, we're to assume that... This ep- this episode is taking place in modern in you know 2021 and we yes. have to assume that Annie went through the summer of 2020 with two black best friends <laughs> and still did not realize how much of a problem that her article was like that's that is really damning to me. That's what I liked about that episode when she was like Gabe's headline and Fran was like I read your article. Yeah. I like that Fran made her answer for her own actions. Like, we're not blaming Gabe. We're not blaming the publisher. No, no, no. You did this. And when Amadi was like, I could not have been clearer that this was a terrible idea. And I wasn't doing it. I think she she also weirdly assumes the worst about Amadi at all times, even though he's like always been on her side. I think she was like, you think I can't handle this. And he's like, I don't think that. I think this is a a minefield. Don't do it. Like I, and she just was like, "Well, I'm going to show you and everyone else." And it's like you didn't have to show him. He was always on your side. Mm-hmm. Like he tried to save you from stepping in it, and you were too stubborn and and too pri- too like uh, you know in your privilege. Like Amadi would have been shot on sight if he'd gone to that ranch, and they would have gone. We don't know who he is. He would have broke in here. We had to shoot him in self defense. Like. Amadi and Fran would not have made it past the gate, and Annie couldn't see that. Absolutely not. She took a pie home. A racist pie. Okay. Um, <laughs> who, who, we love all the minor characters of the show, but who do you think would win in a fight, Ruthie or Maureen? Maureen. Yeah. <laughs> that was a quick answer. I would have to think about that one. Maureen, I think Ruthie would assume she's going to win. Immediately, she'd take off all her jewelry. She'd take off her shoes. She'd, like, fold her blazer and hand it to an underling and be like, have this steamed for me for when we're done. And then Maureen would come out of nowhere, knock her out, and be like, I went to judo prison when I was a child or something like that. 
My parents sent me to a judo boarding school for kids who had gotten in trouble with law enforcement in second grade. Some, Maureen would have some story like that. <laughs> and, like, my father was in the KGB, and I learned this as a kid. Something. That's a really good point. She's got a really scary backstory. Like, there's some shit. That I love Maureen. That's yeah. Joe, it's Joe Firestone, right? Yes. yes. Love. Honestly, love Maureen. So good. I, I felt really sad that we lost Ruthie like the second half of this season, but I was happy that we got so much Maureen. I felt like that was. I would no. watch a Maureen spinoff too. That's what. Okay, I argue for a Ruthie and Maureen spinoff. I think that's another. Yeah. One. That's another niche. If you want to go deep cuts, like an odd couple kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it. it. Oh, like how Nickelodeon did Cat and Sam. Yes. <laughs> nice throwback there, Took. Thank you. Yes, a Cat and Sam. Well, any, and any final, uh, any final thoughts, anything, any parting wisdom, uh, anything that you will stick with you about this series or uh, final, final emotional thoughts? I think again, as much as I feel like we've spent the whole episode shitting on Annie and I feel <laughs> bad because I like Annie, but again, in the context of a protagonist, I like that the writers didn't give her a pass on things that. Annie had to, we saw uncomfortable parts of Annie and Annie had to deal with uncomfortable parts of herself and will likely continue to do so. I like that we saw dynamic, fleshed out characters. I think shows like this, shows like Insecure, shows like Special, another a great show about someone, a, a writer with cerebral palsy, show why we need re- like people to tell their own stories and not the same milk toast generic everyone looks the same writer's room of straight white men who get access to things writing everybody as an other that was the takeaway for me of of seeing a protagonist like myself who looked like me seeing that pool party made me burst into tears in season one but i love i i think you just get a better product when people write their own stories and i really really want to see more of that i think that pool party is the pool oh. party episode is going to go down in history as like one of the oh, best, yeah. best episodes of all time. Tookie, yeah, I want to live in that pool party. Are you kidding me? I would say is is shrill in the mount in your Mount Rushmore of television. Hmm. I've never thought of what my Mount. What's your Mount Rushmore? I'm still, you know, I'm still deciding, but I know Insecure is up there for me. Yeah. I think sure. Insecure and Special are both really good shows to watch if you liked Shrill. Like, I think those are really good. Yes. Shows. Like, if you're looking for another show to watch, I just binged uh, Special in, like, a couple of days. It's, it's awesome. A, it's a quick binge. The episodes are really short. Um, really, really good. And it was it's it portraying a, an experience that's not mine at all. And mm. it was really interesting and really, really funny. I love that show. And Insecure, yeah. obviously, everyone knows is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. That's well. That's a question for our listeners as well. Yeah. Tell us your Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Yeah. yeah. Did but we, like, Marissa, what did you say? Yours? What, what's yours? I don't have a. So mind. You're so working on yours. That's I'm still working on mine. Yeah, I think this is it's an in, it's this show is like it's flawed, but I think that it it did something really different and special in a really cool way in a really interesting interesting moment. So. Hey Emily, where can people find you? We're so glad you joined us today. You got a got a website so or anything you can shout out? Me. This was a wonderful time. Thank you so much for having Thank me. You. Um so I'm uh EmilyRiskowski.com. Um and I'm on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. I've never posted anything. I just follow <laughs> other people on TikTok uh as at Emily Riskowski. 
So this has been a lovely time. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. I mean, this was, this was a great time and thank you for indulging us in replacing all the gross old white guys on Mount Rushmore. It's stolen land anyway. Let's reshape the mountain. <laughs> we gotta reshape the mountain. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe. You can follow us on Loud Women Pod uh, on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Hi, this is Marissa and uh, Tookie. I will. Don't do it. Begrudgingly. Don't give do it. A plug. Uh, Tookie Tookie No, you and Kavanaugh. That's okay. right. And you can yeah. find it on all of our websites. You can find the petition to add Fran's hot brother to Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yes. But just seriously, all, just, just no. all him. Go None see both of these. Guys. Go both see both these amazing comics in Boston. Check out both of Tookie and Emily's websites. Uh, go see them in person. Stuff's opening back up. Get your butt in a seat. Get your vaccine and uh, and go see some comedy. Spend some money. So thank you guys. Another great episode. Uh, and we'll be back. We'll be back soon with more with more goodies.